Hi, I'm Pastor Brady, and welcome to week six of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we're taking a deep dive into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This time, we are finding ourselves getting a bit more introspective as we ask ourselves the question, why am I doing this? So let's get into this thing. And we are in week six of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we're taking a deep dive into Matthew chapters 5 through 7, where we find the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And so as we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, we're keeping a focus on one particular verse. It's actually one of the last verses in the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 7, verse 24, where Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, applies it to their life, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So with this in mind, what teaching did we talk about last week? Dunkaroo. Yeah, we were talking about the six antitheses. Such a fun word, I love saying that. Yeah, so we're talking about the six antitheses, uh, which we find in the last half of Matthew chapter 5. And there, throughout the six antitheses, we saw a phrase that was being repeated over and over again, six different times, hence six antitheses. Does anyone know what that phrase was? What was that pattern that was repeated a couple different times there? Jackson? That is exactly right. It starts off by Jesus saying, you have heard this from our ancestors, but I say this. This is what you are to follow now. And so we talked about last week. Uh, We were looking at some of these commandments that we find in the Old Testament that Jesus is saying, that's how it was before. That's part of the story, but I'm here to give you the whole story now. This new commandment that you are to follow. And so last week, we talked a lot about justice. We talked a lot about enemies. And so uh, that's what we talked about last week. And again, you can always go back and listen to any of the lessons in case you missed them. But tonight, we're going to be shifting our attention to the next chapter, we're going to be moving to chapter 6 now, here in Matthew. And as we do, uh, I have a question for you all. Have you ever heard of the term introspective? Have you ever heard that before? Anyone want to take a guess at what you think it means? Yeah. Kind of, you said like diving deeper into a specific topic? Is that, is that kind of what you said, Luke? So that's actually really, really close. So essentially... Introspective is all about asking, you know, yourself, you know, questions about, you know, trying to figure out what your own thoughts or your own feelings are about something. It's where you kind of just like sit back and you just think about, okay, what do I think about this? How does this make me feel? How do I process these feelings and thoughts that I have? And so that's what we see uh, Jesus is going to be challenging us to do with this next section of the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to be challenging us to get a little introspective, specifically with one question in mind, which uh, that's the specific uh, definition of introspective there. Uh, It's where it's characterized by examination of one's own thoughts and feeling, thoughtfully reflective. So that is your uh, your dictionary.com definition of it there. But the question that we find Jesus asking us as we process this, what is introspective, is he's asking us the question, why am I doing this? 
You ever asked yourself that question before? Just like a general thought. Like, you ever asked yourself, like, why am I doing this? But why am I doing this? So why, let me ask you, Will, why do you play basketball for the high school team? You don't need to give me an answer. But why do you play basketball for the high school team? No, why do you try and post funny videos on social media? You know, <laughs> why do you? You don't try. You do it. They are very funny. Subscribe to MBB6. Uh, there we go. The MBB6. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> Got to make sure I get that right. Like, why do I always try and make people laugh? Why do I try and play an instrument? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I coming to church every Sunday night to listen to some crazy guy talk? You know, why do we get up here and sing worship songs? Why do we read our Bibles? Why do we pray? Why do we try to be good Christians? Have you ever asked yourself these questions before? Like, these are deep questions that get you to really start thinking introspectively. And I got to say, if you don't have an answer to some of those questions, especially those last couple of ones I gave about just a lot of like the spiritual aspect of your faith, well, I think, uh, I think tonight will be a good starting place for you to start getting those answers. Start finding an answer for that introspective question of why am I doing this? But where can we find these answers? Well, let's take a look at Jesus' words here. As he's up on that mountainside preaching to the large crowds, he spoke these words. Watch out. Don't do your deeds of righteousness publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Okay, so before we keep going in this passage here, I just want to pause for a moment and ask you all, that's a kind of weird phrase, deeds of righteousness. What do you think that means? That's kind of a, that's an odd phrase. We don't, I've, I've never really heard anyone just use that in common conversation. So what does deeds of righteousness mean? We've got a pack of peanut M&Ms on the line. Will? Hmm. So we're actually going to be getting that in the next couple of verses. But I think that that's exactly right. Essentially, a deed of righteousness would be something that we would say a Christian is supposed to do. Like, for example, we would say reading our Bible. That's the thing that Christians should do. That is a deed of righteousness right there. How about going to church? That's the thing that we believe Christians should do. That's a deed of righteousness right there. And so let's see what uh, Jesus has to say about these deeds of righteousness. And we're going to find he actually gives a couple different examples of this. And Will, I think you uh, gave a little bit of a spoiler alert looking at verse 2 here, because Jesus says, when you give to someone in need, do a charitable act, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. But it doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Check this out. Verse 5 now. He says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, 
shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So you're kind of starting to catch a pattern here, but Jesus doesn't stop there because he gives us one more example. When you fast, don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Okay, so that was a big chunk right here. So we just read Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, then jumped ahead a little bit there to verses 16 to 18. But did you all catch the pattern there with Jesus' words? Like, we kind of just see he's kind of giving us the same pattern over and over and over again. And with this pattern, he was talking about three different examples of these, you know, deeds of righteousness, these Christian acts. What were those three? Will, what was that first one? Giving to those in need. That was the first one. What were the other ones? Zach? Yep, that was the first one. That was giving. What was the second one? Dunkaroo? Fasting. That was the third one. Second one, Lucas? Praying. That's exactly right. So those are the three examples, these deeds of righteousness that Jesus kind of gives as an example. And so what we want to do here tonight is we want to take a deep look at these three different examples that Jesus gave, this pattern that he gives us, and we want to try and find that answer to the question of, why am I doing this? Why would we ever do these things, such as giving to the needy and praying and fasting, these deeds of righteousness? Why am I doing this? So we are going to uh, take a look at the pattern here that Jesus gives as He gives us these three different examples because we see He follows the same pattern for each of these three examples. And the first thing that Jesus does is this. He simply makes an observation. He makes an observation. So for example, you know, let's say, Will, you are very nice. You just gave Owen a hundred bucks because Owen, you're just, you're in a really tough spot right now. And you could just, you know, you need a pal to help you out, get some food on the table. And Will, you help him out. And so Jesus is saying, awesome. Like, that is good. Like, we want to be giving to those in need. We want to be praying. We want to be fasting. We want to be going to church, reading our Bibles. Like, these are good things. And that's kind of how this starts out. Like, Jesus is like, way to go. Proud of you for doing this. Like, thank you for following my commandments, doing these things. But soon after that, Jesus is quick to provide us with a warning. That's the second part of this pattern, is he gives a warning. So for example, he would tell Will, good on you for giving to the needy, but don't shout and brag about it in order to bring attention to yourself. Or if you're praying, don't pray so loud so that everyone else will hear you and think, wow, that person must be a really good Christian. No, don't do that. Because he used the same word a couple times. He said, that's what the hypocrites do. Let me ask you, what is a, what is a hypocrite? Nadine? Someone who preaches something and does the opposite of it? What else? Yeah, so you kind of say like the opposite of like practice what you preach essentially, but then they don't actually practice it. So when we think of a hypocrite, 
essentially, we're talking about someone who's a fake, right? Like someone, someone who's a fake. So for example, let's say, let's say I was to tell you all that I am the biggest T-Swifty fan ever. Like there is no one in this room that is a bigger T-Swifty fan than I am, other than maybe Brad Cole. But, okay, Brad, Brad, you're the biggest T-Swifty fan. Let me ask you, can you name five T-Swifty songs? No, no, no is not a name of a song. It's a great guess, though. See, but that's, so if Brad is going out sharing, I'm the biggest T-Swifty fan, but then he can't even name one of her songs. He's a fake. He's a fake. That's an example of, of a hypocrite, someone who would be a fake. And so if you, re, if you remember, back the very first verse of this passage here in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 1, the very first thing that Jesus said is that don't do your deeds of righteous publicly. And why? So that your goal isn't to be admired by others. Because what hypocrites are doing is they're only doing these things in order to get recognition from other people. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what hypocrites do. They only do these deeds of righteousness because they want attention. And so, let me just be clear here for a moment. Jesus, when he is telling us this, he is not saying to us, don't ever do these deeds of righteousness. Like, that is the complete opposite of what he's saying. Like, do you remember back a few weeks ago, we talked about salt and light. You remember that? And listen to what yeah. Jesus said. This is in just a few verses earlier in Matthew 5, verse 16. He said, in the same way, let your good deeds, your deeds of righteousness, let them shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And so Jesus, he's encouraging us to do these good acts, these good deeds. Like he is encouraging us to go and sit with the person that's all by themselves, that just needs a friend right now. Like he's encouraging us that whenever there's a huge snow, go and help out your neighbor and shovel their driveway. He's encouraging us that if we do have a little extra cash, help someone in need. Like he encourages us to do these good deeds. And never once will he criticize us for doing them, but the whole point of his warning is all about that question of why. Why are you doing these things? And what Jesus is saying is, we don't want to do these things in order to be admired by others. And it reminds me of a, a quote that I read. Uh, this comes from a guy named Scott McKnight. He's this uh, really smart guy. He's been studying the New Testament for an incredibly long time. And he explained this part of the passage like this, where he said, In each of us, there lurks this desire to be congratulated for our religious deeds, our deeds of righteousness. We want this social approval whether it comes from an entire community like our local church or maybe from a religious authority like a pastor. And because it's religious, we feel like we're getting like, this divine approval from God. And so what Scott McKnight, what he's telling us, and what Jesus is telling us here is, we don't do these things just to get the approval of others. And so that's the second part. He gives us this warning. The third part of this pattern is... He talks about this earthly reward that we get if we fail to heed his warning. So as Jesus, you know, he warns us about the why behind doing this. He repeated this statement three different times in each of those uh, examples where he said, 
I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they are going to get. And I love the way this is worded because this is like, this is just like, I don't know, it has like that 2023 like sassiness to it a little bit where he's like talking to people. He's just like, you know, if you are only doing these acts of righteousness just to get, you know, some good PR, you know, just to get some approval from people around you, that's all you're going to get. Like, sure, yeah, you might get a thumbs up and a pat on the back, but that's the only thing you're going to get. And I just, <laughs> I love the way he kind of says that. He's like, he says, you'll get the good that you want, but what you want is not good. And that attention you crave is the only reward that you'll get with that kind of mindset. So that's this third thing. He talks about this earthly reward. And then the fourth part of this pattern, this is the really important part that we have to really hone in on. And that's the proper action that we should take. So Jesus, he gives us this observation. He gives us the warning to it. And he tells us the reward that we'll get if we fail to heed his warning. But then he says, no, this is how I want you to do it now. So for example, when talking about prayer, he said, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. In other words, what he's saying is, when you perform these deeds, like these good deeds, you don't need this massive audience. Like you're not an actor on a stage that is performing in front of a crowd. Like that's not what your mentality should be. And it makes me think of a phrase I heard a few years ago uh, that the coaches and players from uh, Messiah University's men's soccer team would use. It was this phrase that they would use that was called, uh, you play for an audience of one. So all of the players, all of the coaches, they would constantly remind themselves of this phrase. You play for an audience of one. And essentially what that means is the only person that they were playing for is God. It's God the Father. It didn't matter how many fans were in the stands. It didn't matter what the people on the other team were saying. It didn't matter, you know, what the refs were doing if they were calling a poor game. It did not matter. They played for an audience of one. And for those of you who don't know, like, Messiah, their soccer team is, like, really good. Uh, I, I believe I, I saw that from the year 2000 to 2017, they won 11 D3 national championships, which that's insane to win that many. And actually, when I was writing this lesson, they were currently ranked number one in the nation, like, right now. So they are insanely good. Like, they have this, they do have, like, a really big following because they are really good team. They have a lot of fans. They get a lot of attention. And yet, that doesn't matter because they play for an audience of one. And that's what Jesus, he's challenging us to have that same mentality too of playing for this audience of one. And so he starts to give us this example of, of what it looks like here. And this is our answer right here to why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What should my motivation be? What should my intention be behind doing these good deeds, these deeds of righteousness? Well, you do it for your audience of one. You do it to bring glory to your heavenly Father. So as we strive to bring Him glory, that leads us to the final part of our pattern here. 
And so what happens whenever we, we properly live out these, these good deeds, you know, what happens whenever we have this proper motivation, this proper intention behind our deeds of righteousness? Well, Jesus says, then your Father, who sees everything, He will reward you. So that's the fifth part and final part of our pattern here. It's the Father's reward. So whenever you follow that proper action, you will get the Father's reward. And I find this part kind of hard to process, right? Because whenever we like, try and do these like, good acts, like helping other people or praying, like, we don't really think like getting a reward is a good thing, right? Like, we kind of like, push away that idea like, oh, no, like, we don't want a reward. In fact, we're just thinking, like, wasn't Jesus just warning us about not wanting a reward? So what exactly is he talking about here? Well, I think the problem is that whenever we hear this, this, you know, your father who sees everything will reward you, the problem is that when we look at that, we're only thinking from an earthly reward perspective. Like, that's kind of our mindset. We're only thinking of things like that. So, for example, we think of rewards like getting praise and adoration from other people. We think of rewards that, you know, maybe if, you know, we help someone else out, you know, financially or some way, give them a couple bucks, well, maybe, just maybe, God will bless me with a lot of extra money because I did this good deed. Or maybe, uh, you know, if I help other people out, God will bless me with, you know, safety and a healthy life so I can live to be really old and have an awesome life. If I go to church and pray, God will reward me with all of these things. No, those are earthly rewards. But the Father's reward is so much greater than any of that. And I love the way C.S. Lewis, uh, he explained it like this. He says, if we consider the staggering nature of the rewards that are promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires for reward not too strong, but actually too weak. It's like God is offering us a feast, and yet we settle for a bagged lunch. So those earthly rewards that I mentioned, yeah, they're nice and all. It's a bagged lunch. But what God is offering us is this grand feast. Because what God is offering us is a personal, intimate relationship with Him. What God is offering us is the chance to experience a peace in our life and comfort that will just make us feel so whole. What God is offering us is the chance to be a part of His kingdom and represent His kingdom. He's offering us a reward that will allow us to find contentment no matter how much money we have. That's what it's all about right here. That's the reward that our Father is giving us. It's greater than anything that we could ever get here on this earth. And that's why our God, he's an audience worth working for. And so as I conclude here, I have one final challenge for you as we talk about these deeds of righteousness. So I want to do a little science experiment here. All of you right now in this room are now consciously breathing all of you right now, you are thinking about how you're breathing in, how you're breathing out. You're realizing that, oh, 
maybe I feel like I need to take more of a breath now, or maybe I need to exhale longer. All of you are thinking about how you are breathing right now. But before I said that, I doubt anyone in this room was thinking about how they were breathing, unless someone has a stuffy nose because you can't really breathe, so you just kind of have to like inhale through your mouth quietly. Maybe you were thinking about breathing. But before that, it was just secondhand nature, right? Like you don't think about breathing. It's just something that comes so naturally to you that you don't even bat an eye to it. And the only time you notice it is whenever you have moments where you can't breathe. It's just so second nature. You just do it without even thinking. And that's exactly how we want our deeds of righteousness, these these good deeds. That's how we want to interact when it comes to them. Like we want to do them so often that it becomes like secondhand nature to us where we don't even think about it. Like we want to be able to be someone who reads our Bible so often that we don't even think about like, hey, good job, Brady, you read your Bible today. Way to be a good Christian. Like we don't even want to like think about that because that's just, it's just secondhand nature to us now that we read our Bible. Like we want to be the kind of people where we pray constantly, where we are just constantly praying to God, walking through the hallways, just a quick prayer to God. You know, before bed, maybe before a meal, but just maybe sitting in the car before a soccer game starts or a volleyball game, before the musical begins, before the concert begins, just before you take a big test. It's common everyday life. We want just our time of prayer with the Lord just to be so second nature where we don't even realize that, oh, look at me. I said two prayers today. I am a very good Christian. No, we want it to be second nature where we don't even think about it. You can think of it like this. Uh, I saw this really cool uh, example. Uh, is everyone here kind of familiar with Steph Curry? He uh, plays basketball for the Golden State Warriors. So Steph Curry, he is regarded as the greatest shooter of a basketball in the history of ever. Like, he is so good at just being able to consistently make basketball shots. And so what he does at the end of every practice even though know, everyone else leaves, he stays a little bit longer, and he will do 103-point shots. So you all know like the big arc that's around the basketball court. So he'll do 100 of those shots, and if he does not make at least 90 out of 100 shots, he'll try again. That's insane. Like 90% of your shots from a three-point distance is insanely, insanely difficult to make that many. But what he did is like, look, it's going to be really tough to get to this point in life where doing these things is just second nature. But for Steph Curry, he just kept doing it and practicing it over and over and over again where it's just second nature that anytime he puts up a shot, he's like, yeah, it's going to go in. Yeah, it's just second nature. In fact, it's more of a surprise whenever it doesn't go in. That's the kind of mentality we want to have with these deeds of righteousness where we want to help someone out and we just think, yeah, I was just helping someone out, not trying to pat ourselves on the back for going out of our way to do it. We're just like, yeah, that's just what, that's what I do. And why? It's not for adoration from others. It's not for some earthly reward that you'll get, like maybe money or whatever. It is strictly so you can bring glory to your heavenly Father. That's what it's all about. 
That's the why behind it all. Everything that we do, we want to do it to bring our Father glory. So as we go out here, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to do that. You have a lot of opportunities because you are involved in so many things. You interact with so many people that you don't even realize. And you have the chance to just, in so many ways, bring honor and glory, not to yourself, but to your audience of one, to your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the greatest audience we could ever ask for. Thank you for guiding us, helping us to answer these incredibly hard questions of why. These are questions that there are so many people in the world asking themselves that question of, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? And they don't have the answer. But you give us an answer. And you give us an amazing reward whenever we follow through. Thank you for letting us be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, it is my prayer tonight that each of us here in this room, we will start to live out these deeds of righteousness so much that we don't even think about it. It's as common as breathing. May we live them out, and may we live them out well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to tonight's lesson. As always, you can go back and listen to any previous lessons that you might have missed. Also, if you want to stay up to date with what is happening in the Five Forks Student Ministries, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us under Five Forks Students. Or you can check out our website, ffbic.org slash students.